Okay, I know I talked about Blindside before as the first hardcore band that I listened to because they were everyone's first hardcore band they heard, but Dead Poetic was the entry point for me. They made this screaming music bearable and powerful. They gave it a context that I could sit with. Once on an online forum, I remember them being described as Juliana Theory meets Zayo. Two bands that I hadn't actually heard yet, but I just love the combination of singing and screaming. And they had a song that helped me put into words one of the most terrifying questions of my young life. Am I going to hell? Welcome to the Prophetic Imagination Station podcast. My name is Crispin Mayfield, and I'm a therapist. I'm D.L. Mayfield, a writer and neighbor. And together we discuss evangelical artifacts from the 80s and 90s. This is season six, and we're calling it Shame Core Records. In pop culture, hell is all about demons and torture and pain. But in my upbringing, teachings on hell hit on something far more existential. Being alone forever. Being separated from God. Being rejected by God. Ultimately, being all alone. The best way to give you a feel of this existential terror is, of course, a clip from Adventures in Odyssey. We did a whole podcast episode about this Adventures in Odyssey episode, the one where Wit creates a life-after-death program in the Imagination Station. People can step into the Imagination Station and have a virtual reality experience of what happens after death. Mr. Whitaker tries it out and experiences heaven. Eugene, who we'll hear from in just a moment, has not accepted Jesus, so he has a very different experience of life after death. It, it was the most horrifying thing I've ever experienced. I, I've never felt such loneliness or isolation. It was as though I were completely separated from everyone and everything, completely and thoroughly alone. Not like I was off by myself somewhere, but, but as though I were non-existent in a dark void of solitude. I, I was alone, Connie utterly alone in a, in a burning blackness, and I've had nothing but nightmares since then. Eugene, this, this may not help much, but I know why you felt that way. <laughs> I'm open to any theory at this point. For you, who's never accepted Christ, death is... Well, It'll be a place of isolation and separation. Maybe you got a tiny taste of hell. Do you understand, Eugene? Do you really believe that, Connie? With all my heart. Then you better explain it all to me in detail.
Listening to this as a kid was terrifying. It also didn't help that this was the one episode that my grandma had on tape, so we listened to it while we were there, often away from our parents. It really hyped up that threat of feeling alone. Dead Poetic had this song, A Green Desire, which I discussed a couple of episodes ago, about wanting God's love, so which hand should I cut off? And in the middle of the chaos, it gets really quiet and slow. He asks God if he can count on God to be there for him. Will you be there to grab my hands and take me away? Will you be there to grab my hands and take me away? Will you be there to grab my hands? The the screaming at the end reminds me that we're all like toddlers who want to be held and loved. And when that comes into question, we get real angry real quick. It's part of our attachment system. In the midst of all the angst of Christian hardcore, I found this melodic longing that resonated deeply. I wanted to know that God would take care of me and that God would be there for me in the end, no matter what. And I think Brandon Reich, the vocalist of Dead Poetic, wanted to know the same. We started this episode with a clip from another Dead Poetic song called Tell Myself Goodbye. It seems to be a song about anxiety about his eternal fate. Is he going to be with God forever, or is he going to be separated from God forever? The lyrics go, But I'm far from my womb, and you know I'm far from you. So when will I come back to you? Is this already written, or have I fallen so far? But I'm far from my womb, and you know I'm far from you. So when do I come back to you? Was this all There's this anxiety. Have I fallen far from God? Have I fallen so far? Have I fallen too far? He worries that he's fallen so far he can't tell the light from the dark. And in some sense, of course he can't. He has really good reason to believe that he can't tell the light from the dark. We talked about this earlier, back when we talked about being vampires. We've been told repeatedly that our hearts are deceitful above all things. You really can't trust yourself. So how do you make sure that you don't go to hell? Well, I figured I'd go to the man who probably knew it best, the late Billy Graham. You can say, Lord, I give you my life. I want Christ to come in and forgive my sins and my failures. I want to follow and serve him. I want to know my sins are forgiven. I want to know that I'm going to heaven. Give your life to Christ and make sure that he lives in your heart. Some of you give your life to Christ tonight for the first time. Others of you can come and rededicate your life and say tonight, I'm going to surrender my life to Christ anew and afresh. I'm going to give myself to him. You can give your life to Christ right now and say tonight, I give myself to him. Many of you are church members, many of you are Christians, but you need to rededicate your life to God. 
You need to promise God that from now on you're going to live the right kind of a Christian life. You're going to be the right type of a Christian. Hold on. The right type of Christian? You're going to be the right type of a Christian. You can go to church, even be a Christian, but you have to be the right kind of Christian. One thing that was big in Billy Graham's gospel message was that before you could accept Jesus into your heart, you had to repent. Here's another clip explaining what he means by that. First, you have to be willing to repent of your sin. You say, well, what does that mean? It means to live a new kind of a life. Have you repented? Are you sure of it? Did that change take place? I'm not talking about did you say, oh, Lord, I'm sorry. That's not repentance. Oh, Lord, I've sinned. That's not repentance. It means a change. But what if you can't change, like we talked about last episode? Which brings us back to this song by Dead Poetic. He's wondering if he's fallen so far that he can't tell the light from the dark. What if you're so broken you're not capable of change? So he says, I thought you had me forever. Because that's what we want, to know that no matter what, God's got us. We want to know that we're so treasured by God that we're held carefully in divine hands forever. And after he says, I thought you had me forever, he says, but I'm sure you thought the same about me. Those phrases, I thought you had me forever, but I'm sure you thought the same about me. It really is up to me to follow the path, to be the right kind of Christian, to live a new kind of life. It's up to me to change. It does bring up this question, who's in charge of our salvation? It makes me think about something C.S. Lewis wrote that gets quoted pretty often. I willingly believe, he wrote, that the damned are in one sense successful, rebels to the end, that the doors of hell are locked on the inside. Really, you're only in danger of hell if you choose it. Yet everyone who's experienced addiction knows their capability to make decisions entirely contrary to their own well-being. You know what it's like to make the choice to lock yourself in hell from the inside. That's when you need someone bigger, stronger, someone committed to freeing you. Someone committed to you no matter what. Or what if you're a trauma survivor, which we already talked about last time about how that makes you more likely to develop an addiction. Research has shown that trauma survivors tend to have a significantly more external locus of control, which means that you feel like you're not in control of your life or what happens to you. If some people go to hell, how can you guarantee that you aren't one of those people? And that's much easier to believe if you've experienced trauma. It reminds me of my Bible college days, reading Wayne Grudem's systematic theology textbook about predestination and free will. It all seemed kind of theoretical back then. It just feels different when I have someone sitting in my counseling office who's experienced the worst that the world has to offer, convinced that God is going to abandon them too because they just can't seem to get their life right. Because they haven't experienced in their life yet what Billy Graham calls a change. And it feels different for me now, too, because it wasn't until I was a decade out of Bible college or so 
that I was able to recognize my own lingering fear. There's no guarantee I'll stay with the faith the rest of my life. I can't promise myself perseverance, which means I have to end up living with a lot of worry. Here's another song by Acidies Burn, the band we talked about during the last two episodes. He says, I'm afraid that you might say, depart from me. I never knew you. He's referring to Matthew 25 when Jesus talks about the final judgment, the separation of the sheep and goats. Those who did not care for the least of these are cast away from God forever. It reminds me of Mr. Rogers, who we talked about earlier this season. After his ordination in 1963, he dedicated his ministry to making sure American children everywhere knew that they were loved, using a relatively new technology, television. He's become the picture of relentless empathy and kindness, what love looks like wearing a sweater. His program, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, was a small yet meaningful grace for children who didn't have an adult in their lives that could communicate the love that they needed. He knew that everyone had a need to know that we're loved just the way you are. Yet it seemed Mr. Rogers had trouble believing he was loved by God just as he was. At the age of 74, he was at home, dying of stomach cancer, and about to slip into a coma that he wouldn't wake up from. His wife of 50 years was at his side when he asked her this heartbreaking question. Am I a sheep? Even after a lifetime of showing God's love to others, he still wondered, am I a sheep or am I a goat? He wondered if God would say, depart from me, I never knew you. Mr. Rogers wasn't sure if God was going to be there to take his hands and take him away. A lot of us have this fear. A study published just last month in the APA's journal, Psychology of Religion and Spirituality, showed that when Christians focus on passages that make them feel God is going to exclude them, they experienced psychological stress in their minds and in their bodies. But you probably didn't need a peer-reviewed article to tell you that. Unfortunately, the study didn't answer the question that I'd really like to know. Where's the peace that passes all understanding that I was promised? If Mr. Rogers couldn't find that peace, someone informally known as St. Fred, how do the rest of us even have a chance? I talked with my friend Mandy Smallwood. She'll graduate this December with her master's in clinical mental health counseling. And I just really appreciated getting her input on the anxiety that can be part of our faith tradition. So I was raised in a Southern Black Baptist church. And I think it was really popular for people to talk about how much their life had changed, like after they got saved, you know. And I always remember feeling like I would always compare my experiences 
to their experiences, you know, even though I was a child and they were adults who had lived, you know, 50, 60, 70 years of life, they would say like, when you come to Jesus, you won't even want to do the things you used to do or, you know, sort of really selling it, but they, you know, their lives really were changed. Um, But I just remember feeling like, I still want to do bad things sometimes. <laughs> um, and I can't say that my life is, is super different than it was before. You yeah, know? right. It's like, I still want to do bad things. So what does that mean? Yeah. So I, I've spent time in like black church settings and like growing up, I would not have said that I was evangelical just because it's a completely different kind of framework and all that. But when I went to college, I would consider myself evangelical in that span of time. I went to Liberty University, um, very conservative Christian school. And something that I can say is like a similarity between my experiences in the black church and my experiences in like white evangelical settings is a lot of the black and white thinking. Either you do this or feel this thing or you're not saved, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and there's a lot of that in both circles, I think. And that is something that led me to really turn myself inward, like turn in on myself, you know, to like analyze sort of taking my spiritual temperature every single day. What ways would you take your temperature? <laughs> so, It was mainly like, okay, waking up in the morning, um, how much do I want to read my Bible today? Mm. Um, That was a really big one. Um, How much do I want to pray today? Or like, how long can I pray today? (laughs) Um, Another one was like, do I, do I love going to church? Mm. You know? Mm -hmm. And like, and I kind of laugh at that one because... I remember growing up, I was just having a conversation with someone about this. Growing up, you know, the preacher would always say like, oh, in heaven, every day is going to be like Sunday and we're going to do this all the time. (laughs) (laughs) And I remember feeling like this sense of dread, right? Because I don't want to spend church, (laughs) (laughs) you know, in eternity for the, you know, for like the rest of my life Um, and feeling so like guilty, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, because I thought like, oh, these are the things that make a true Christian. Like you want to be in church all the time and you read your Bible for hours every day. Um, and so, yeah, a lot of that. And like, when I was in college, I got in more Mm -hmm. to like John Piper, who's very, um, like emotion focused, Mm -hmm. I think in terms of making sure your emotions line up with your beliefs. And every day I would be like, how do I feel about God today? Or like, do I, do I treasure yeah, God today? Uh-huh. You know? Yeah. Well, it makes sense. Yeah. Uh, Piper has said in a book, something along the lines of uh, Christ did not die for sinners who would continue on treasuring anything other than himself. I, yep, I think I read that book. <laughs> right, which says, yep. right, that if you treasure anything other than God, that you, Christ didn't die for mm-hmm. you. 
Right. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So that sounds utterly exhausting to always be checking in with yourself about something that on some level you Mm -hmm. don't have any control over. You can choose to go to church. You can choose to read the Bible, but you can't really in the moment choose how much you want to. Right. Yeah. And the flip side of that um, is maybe not the flip side, but like the continuation Mm -hmm. of that is that there's always this belief on the back end that you can change how you feel about it as long as your beliefs are right. Mm -hmm. So you have to have the right beliefs, right? And then your feelings Mm -hmm. should follow. So I would assume every time I don't want to read my Bible, okay, what am I not believing Mm -hmm. about Jesus today? Like, how can I believe harder, believe more correctly or more Mm -hmm. purely? Um, And it was exhausting. (laughs) It was really exhausting. So then would you look for the knowledge that you were lacking? I would spend like hours journaling. Mm every day and um read a lot of like sermons like (laughs) i probably have read like all of charles spurgeon's you know it's just so random but i probably read all of his sermons um when i was like going through that time in my life because i was trying you know to make Mm -hmm. it click you know to make the belief be Mm. pure um and yeah, I mean, it, it didn't work, but at the, t- at the time, um, it felt like I was making progress. Yeah. So, the song that you sent me, um, I felt like it really highlighted some of that like perseverance of the saints mm-hmm. anxiety mm-hmm. <laughs> that I had because I was always sort of looking forward to the day when I would give up because I would be like, mm-hmm. I can't do this anymore. And I would think like, yeah, like I can have assurance that I'm saved as long as I stay saved, which is kind of like circular right. reasoning. Wait, tell me about that part. What's the giving up part? So the giving up would be like, if I ever decide I don't want to believe in God anymore, you know, like this was too hard. Like I didn't, I was not fulfilled by this mm-hmm. relationship. Um, I was so terrified that that would happen because I knew that I was like wearing myself down mentally. Um, and I was so afraid, like one day I'm going to wake up and just not be able to do it anymore. And I would be like, that would be evidence that I was never a Christian in the first place, Mm -hmm. you know? So it was like, I could never get any peace. I probably journaled this quite a few times, like begging God, please don't, let me give in, you know, I just want to keep believing in you and feeling like, Oh, well maybe when I was a Calvinist, (laughs) maybe like God never, you know, God never wanted this. I I expected to like sort of put her out, you know, but at the end it would be like relief, you know, from just the constant worry almost like it's there's something better about being disconnected from God forever and going to hell than living in this constant anxiety 
your eyes just got big. <laughs> yeah. Cause I think I, I think I literally probably said that to mm-hmm. myself before. Um, because like a lot of, you know, like a lot, I think of what kept me in the spiral was being afraid to go to hell. And I think I realized like I'm living in hell right now, <laughs> you know, like if you would call hell the place where you're separated from God, like, I have such a disconnected relationship um, that it feels like I'm living in hell. And like in my own head, I am, you know, weeping, gnashing of teeth. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm so Mm -hmm. stressed that it's like, I can't even like, what's hell, you know? (laughs) Right. So in that place where you're in this anxious hell, what would you long for from God in that moment? Like what, what would you want to hear from God? That is so interesting because I probably um, had so many requests. (laughs) Um, I think what I wanted most of all was just to like feel loved. And like, that's it. Like I, I wanted like, what I perceived other Christians had, which was just like an abiding confidence that I'm loved by God, you know, all the time, no matter what I do. I, you know, I would do silly things. And this, this is funny because one time we're on vacation and I was like staying in a hotel room and I was like, God, if you love me, like send a rainbow in the sky. Like I said this. <laughs> mm-hmm. And how old were you at that time? I must have been middle school, maybe. Um, yeah. Maybe like eighth grade or ninth grade, like around that time. Right. So this is like eighth grade Mandy. Yeah. You're like, God, if you love me, send me a sign. <laughs> Literally. And I remember like standing on the balcony and like looking at the sky and someone walked past in a pink Floyd shirt. You know how they have like the prisms and like, <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. And I remember thinking like, Oh my gosh, like, is that it? But like, <laughs> you know, and like, it didn't matter. Right. Because there was, there was really nothing. There was nothing external that was going to give me the confidence I wanted. But I remember like looking at that Pink Floyd shirt and being like, Oh, like (laughs) maybe this is it. Um, Which is so silly to me in hindsight. But at the time, like I was really going through it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. There is this feeling like God doesn't love me. Mm -hmm. Obviously you've been told otherwise Mm -hmm. most of your life Mm -hmm. in terms of explicit things. So I wonder if you have an idea of where that feeling came from. One of the ways Christian American Christianity, white evangelicalism, but also like black Christianity can sort of encourage obsession <laughs> um, is this this idea that humans should always be suspicious of themselves mm. um, and that Like, we always have to check behind ourselves to make sure, sorry, 
that we are not like fake. Like we're not the the ones who are going to go to Jesus and be like, oh, I never know you. I never knew you. And there's this huge emphasis on like making sure that you are really obeying, that you're really following God's voice because this idea that Christians can have that like we have it right and everyone else outside is wrong, <laughs> it leads a lot of people to obsess over whether or not they're getting it right. You know, like mm-hmm. it leads people to think that the behaviors that their church does is what makes someone a Christian. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I, I think that that piece of not being able to trust yourself puts you in a really scary position because so just mm-hmm. starting with the basis that some people go to hell and some people don't, then, then it's not just God mm-hmm. that is, I mean, again, you can look at Calvinism, but there is this sense, even within Calvinism, like you were saying, you can be a Calvinist and feeling like right. I got to try really hard to make sure that I'm one, one of the elect, right? It ultimately always right. comes back <laughs> to you and your behavior. But if I'm also told that I can't be relied upon, like I can't rely on myself. Like your heart is deceitful and wicked. <laughs> right. It's a really scary place to be. I can't trust God and I yeah. can't trust myself. So what am I supposed to do? Um, the part where, I don't know, this is this like a male? Uh-huh, yeah, female? male. Yeah. Or, okay. Um, the part where he said, like, maybe this wasn't written or maybe... I don't remember the exact lyric. Um, something about like whether like God never wrote this in the plan. Mm-hmm. Um, that like really took me back <laughs> to my Calvinist days mm-hmm. um, because this fear that like maybe it's not clicking for me. Maybe the reason it's not clicking for me is because God did not want it. Like God doesn't want me, mm-hmm. and that like predestination like God has chosen who's going to be his. Maybe the reason I'm not getting it is because God hasn't chosen me. Mm. And that was like, it's, it's like the highest form of rejection Mm. that someone can experience like from their creator, you know? Yeah. It just breaks my heart to hear that phrase. God doesn't want me. And yet it's what a lot of people have felt. Yeah. And like, it breaks my heart to say it, Mm. (laughs) you know? But that's that's like where that's like where it was for a long time. Like being afraid that um, God just had not chosen me, or He had completely forgotten about me. It's hard to find places in the church to talk about hell. Of course, it's referred to, or it's the impending punishment that everyone knows about, but no one really talks about. But where can you talk about hell? and how the concept has impacted you. Next episode, I'm going to talk a bit with Danielle about hell, but I also want to hear from you. You can send us a voice memo or leave a voicemail about how your understanding has impacted you and your relationship with God, and we might use it in the next episode. Just follow the show notes in this episode to get to our website or email address, and we look forward to hearing from you. This has been an episode of the Prophetic Imagination Station. You can follow us on Twitter or Instagram, where DL is often talking about weird bits of Christian media. Find us on the web as well. 
Also, we love getting emails from listeners. You can find the links to our website, handles, and email in the description of the podcast episode. Support the show on Patreon and get monthly extra episodes on evangelical culture for as little as $1.50 a month. DL's book, Myth of the American Dream, is available anywhere you get your books. And lastly, artwork for this season was designed by Zach Bard and theme music by Forrest Johnson. Thanks for listening.